0: I love performing, but actually I get really... um, I'm overcoming it now more and more, but I really freeze up and get nervous when I have to talk in public. But I like the idea of a performance speech to public, but the sort of free off the cuff point a camera at me and I'm, I just don't become myself and I right. get worse and worse. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, when I performed at the opera house, you can't see the audience, it's a nice big spotlight. Mm. You know, only child here got to be a princess for 13 years when I wasn't mm-hmm. being all the other hilarious roles that they, you don't realise you're going to be in the ballet. Mostly a whore, harlot, courtesan.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> swan number 10, whore, harlot, courtesan. <laughs> <Yeah>. Snowflake. Snowflake. <laughs> yeah. Pete quite often says to me, I, I know you want to go to Mars, but we've only got the petrol to get to the moon. <laughs> I always hated it. I always hated performance. And that, wow. I think this is one of the things that takes quite a long time for people to realise is what their strengths are. Because within, any, within anything, I think there is so many sort of subsects within it. So then Ella took me to see a concert of Ladysmith Blackman-Bazos.
2: Yeah.
0: And Cadogan Hall. And it was just amazing but where i'm going is that like we could see a gap at that moment to to fill mm-hmm. and it had never been done before so we weren't even i don't think aware there was no challenge at that point for us we were just so committed that it was a project that lasted five years for us wow. and it had a setback it had a pilot phase where it, it wasn't accepted and we carried on and we wanted to do it ourselves and at that point it grew and then had different challenges again
2: but And did when you just it, have that one show at that point?
0: We were working on Inala this Zulu ballet yeah. idea where Ella just to give it some context Ella composed the music with Ladysmith Blackman Bazo who Mandela took to collect his Nobel Peace Prize you know the legends that were on the Paul Simon album and she sat around the piano in South Africa and we took ourselves off there to start this project and she sat at the piano surrounded by nine Zulu men um, who, Grand age of 22 At the grand age of 22 she was and just played her music and they co-wrote five songs in that short time in South Africa that we came back with, presented to the director of
1: the Royal Ballet. And he sent me a message going, oh, congratulations, that's amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Adam? The Grammy nomination. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he texted me a screenshot of the, nomi- the, the nominations just been announced and we have been nominated for a Grammy Award.
2: Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup U, inspiring, educating, and connecting the startup community to help you make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup U, the regional delivery partner for Virgin Startup. Each episode provides the story of an entrepreneur who talks us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. This podcast is brought to you by Barclays Eagle Labs. National network of Eagle Labs provides entrepreneurs, individuals and ambitious businesses with the space, tools and confidence to innovate and scale. Barclays offers co-working and office space, structured mentoring, events designed to help businesses grow, industry and corporate transformation and access to new and emerging technologies. To date, they have 18 locations, helping 378 businesses with 1,380 co-workers. Go to labs.uk.barclays. Welcome to episode 121 of Screw it, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell. And on today's show, it's my pleasure to welcome the Sisters Grimm. That's Ella Spearer and Pietra Mello-Pittman. So... I'm all for taking Screw It, Just Do It in different directions, um, shining a light on different industries, different businesses. And this is very much the case with Sisters Grimm. Um, Story, originally I attended a British American business Christmas lunch um, back in December and I was sat at a table sponsored by Virgin Atlantic Delta and sat right next to me was Pietra and Ella. Got talking and literally spent the entire Christmas lunch um, enthralled by the amazing business that they've put together which is just celebrating 10 years together and I thought this would be a fantastic subject for the show. So who are Sisters Grimm? What do they do? So they're two of the UK's most exciting and successful original theatre show producers. They're best known for a fusion of the legendary sound of the African male choral group, Ladysmith Black Mambazo, with ballet to create the Grammy Award nominated show Inala. So Inala sold out the Edinburgh Festival, a UK tour, performed five times um, in Moscow at the famous Chekhov International Theatre Festival returned to the UK for a sellout um, tour at Sadler's Wells in fact I believe they saw something crazy like 80,000 tickets Uh, so think of Wembley and you get an idea of the amount of people who've been to this show Uh, and they're back again for a very limited run uh, in the West End from April the 30th um, this year as well so The music from the show, which Ella composed alongside Lady Smith, was released separately and won a Grammy nomination. And then they went on, Lady Smith, to win um, a Grammy Award. So the ladies um, have been to the Grammys. and They've also been to the Royal Variety Show alongside the likes of Ed Sheeran, um, Shirley Bassey, Simon Cowell, etc. And... Ella has worked with the likes of Bruno Mars, remixing his music, and David Arnold, the composer of several of the James Bond scores, whereas Pietra has danced all the classic ballets as a royal ballet ballerina and her ability as a choreographer and creative director has helped the duo win a Women of the Future nomination for Arts and culture. So, as I say, they're celebrating uh, 10 years as the Sisters Grimm. Incredible story spanning many different continents. Um, It's been up for a Export Champion Award as well, Um, looking at China, Japan and Dubai this year, but they are back in the UK, as I say, for a limited time from April the 30th with this show in Nala. Um, Without further ado, I'm going to start off by asking Pietra to explain exactly who the Sisters Grim are and what they do, followed by the obvious question, of course, about where that name came from. Let's start up.
0: Well, Sisters Grimm is a creative partnership between me, Pietrangelo Pittman, I was a former ballerina, now creative producer, and Ella Spira, who is a Grammy-nominated composer and producer. And together we create these big live dance musical spectacles, shows, that are culturally themed. And really the purpose of our company was to unite audiences and really celebrate diversity and these important social messages in a really accessible, uplifting feel-good
1: show. So. The name came from the fact that I think we're both, we both found a kind of joint passion in wanting to maintain traditions of well I suppose it's more than just folk tales it's what are traditions in a place and how do we continue those but in a contemporary medium what is it that we can do to keep these traditions alive and I think I feel really strongly about the importance of that you know protecting musical traditions for me is a biggie but then also the the stories and the things that you know have kind of been passed down through ancestors mm. once upon time they were oral and then they were through yeah. books and then it's you know films and stuff so like how, how can we do it in our way, mm. um, and of course, the Brothers Grimm were some of the first sets of people to to do that for certain folk tales. And we love the Brothers Grimm tales, actually. You know, they're dark and they're kind of mm-hmm. something <clears throat> interesting in them. And then it's interesting how they have also evolved into things that are then accessible for families and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So that was that was really where it yeah. came from. But then I'm also
0: I'm an only child and Ella's the oldest of six. Yeah. So it was like, well, sister's Grimm and yeah. Ella's got room for more. Always. I got to have a sister. <laughs> so, yeah, sister's grim.
2: Okay, and when you first met up and then you first collaborated, did it become was it a, was it a natural progression as to who did what as part of that yeah. first production and how did that develop then when you had like a fully fledged business and you had different things to do like you know raising money forming a team all those kind of things. I, think, I
0: mean, at the core, obviously Ella being the composer, like for me that was the seed of everything. Like it starts. I always, you know, admired Diaghilev for. He was a, you know, a producer that produced and put, you know, Tchaikovsky to create Swan Lake and Stravinsky to do the Rite of Spring. And I thought, well, he didn't compose or choreograph or design the costumes, he produced all of that. And that's gone down in history. So, and for me really, I see pictures and ideas from music. So the idea that that was Ella's role, but then with so much more business in her brain as well, compartmentalizing her composing role with big vision. And that's where we complement each other. I can get sort of lost and bogged down in the analytical detail of things yeah. and, and be a bit more cautious and reserved about certain things, but want to go there, but just need to sort of think about oh, it yeah, a bit yeah, more. Yeah. And Ella's there, we're going to Mars and I'll try and work out the petrol to help us get there. <laughs> Do
2: you think that's a fair, fair comment? Yeah. Yeah, Pete yeah. 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 yeah.
1: quite often says to me, I, I know you want to go to Mars, but we've only got the petrol to get to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
2: take the moon this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Um, and what kind of initial first steps did you did you take that somebody in your shoes now would possibly be doing the same thing could take advice from what kind of first steps when you're putting together this kind of thing? Me too.
0: Oh, um for me it was how we how we presented our concepts and our ideas from the start even without Skills, or perhaps the funding to go to the best filmmaker to do it, which we now sort of are in a privileged position to do. And we presented our ideas in a way that caught the attention of the person at the top of the chain. Mm-hmm. And we just thought, you know, that's who we need to ask. He's the ultimate, or she is the ultimate decision maker how do we present our concept in the best way to them? And I think that's always been something we've taken forwards in terms of taking them on the journey of your idea. If, if it's about, for us, music and dance and an idea, then you need to show that, get the music in the room, show them. So I think that's what I would say is think, really think about how you're presenting your
1: idea. It's no good at just being in your head or... Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've, I've got a few thoughts on this as well, which is I feel like people who are just chasing money, Are lost. Mm. That's not what it should be. It has to come from what is your idea, and that everything has to stem from what the idea is. And you have to be also prepared that you will go down some paths that don't work, and so not everything is successful. But then it's also about, as P says, you know, presenting yourself and professionalizing things in that way that you want to be received from the get-go, down to basic things like website, Mm. website and email address. And then what that website looks like, even if it's just a holding page, it needs to look super slick. And any materials that you present need to be, need to feel really proud of them and feel like, yeah, that is absolutely the best that I think it should be. Um, I, I think that's important. I think also people, if when people have that entrepreneurial spirit in them i think that is one of the things that can maybe be a frustration and that can help you identify that oh hang on maybe i do need to be doing this myself so i found that I was working on projects where I just I was frustrated that I couldn't I couldn't do more to help the project, yeah. and because you know I was choosing to put some of my fees into making my side a bit better, and I wanted to help make the whole thing better. And I think that that is, if you're finding that and finding that thing of like you want to be more involved, you want to, you know actually maybe that is a sign that you should be looking at whether you can manage setting up your own business and doing it yourself. Mm. Because that desire to do things in that way, in a really top quality way, is part of what I think makes somebody a good entrepreneur.
2: Yeah. And what kind of challenges did you have setting out and what, what was the original vision? setting out. Mars,
1: obviously. Mars, totally. <laughs> Mars and beyond.
0: <laughs> Mars. Yeah, well, I mean, from the start, Ella came to see me in the Royal Ballet, and even though I, I was born in Brazil, I was born in Rio, I then moved to Surrey, and I, you know, led I guess more sheltered, privileged life, and Ella led a really diverse, you know, she was just shocked that the audience and on stage was all white mm. and I hadn't even really noticed. There were a lot of, you know, Asians and Latino dancers, but no one from black African origin in the ballet. Mm. And certainly not in the audience. And uh, you know, world music was such a part of your life and passion and also mine with my cultural background as well. I loved all sorts of music but I didn't kind of notice that, which was pretty bad. Mm. So then Ella took me to see a concert of Ladysmith Blackman Bazo's
2: yeah.
0: in Cadugan Hall and it was just amazing but where I'm going is that like we could see a gap at that moment to, to fill, mm-hmm. and it had never been done before. So we weren't even, I don't think, aware. There was no challenge at that point for us. We were just so committed that it was a project that lasted five years for us, wow. and it had a setback. It had a pilot phase where it, it wasn't accepted, and we carried on, and we wanted to do it ourselves, and at that point it grew.
2: Was this the only production that you had in your, in your repertoire or were you trying to launch multiple productions at the same time? Was everything kind of, all your money was on red? Well, actually,
0: <laughs> at the time, we were working on a film concept at the time and we'd shot this amazing, our first project as Sisters Grimm was a short film, which was a first at the Opera House. And then once Ella took me to see this concert of Ladysmith Blackman Bazaar, it was really from that moment on, We really knew that that was the project that we were going to focus everything on. The film project wasn't, you know, it was just put on pause for a little bit. And um, really we focused all our attentions on getting Ella out to South Africa. I think I said to you, honey, if you get the gig writing with these guys, I'll fly you out there. And the next thing we knew, uh, Dame Monica Mason, a big supporter of ours, allowed me a couple of shows off from the Nutcracker at Christmas. And we put together a small film team. And we found ourselves out there with, yeah, Ella around the piano with nine legendary Zulus writing this amazing music. So really that was our focus. It was our, it was our largest fundraiser at that moment. We knew exactly what we had to come back with, which was that amazing concept film, which showed the documentary of going to South Africa and true like, cultural collaboration to fill this gap that we knew existed in, in live theatre entertainment.
2: And, and how did you know who to go for funding for example things like that but given like your performing backgrounds um conducting background how, how did you know when you're, you're starting a business like that and
1: um, where'd
2: you go you, it, clearly you must have pretty good connections i'm assuming actually or, no, no we really didn't we,
0: neither of us come from moneyed backgrounds at all um neither of us went to university neither of us studied business um really we went to our sort of nearest and dearest with our, as we still do now and we passionately talked about the idea and i think we we brought up we got support just from that obviously with its south african roots a lot of south africans really identified with the idea of what we wanted to achieve especially south africans that had left south africa during apartheid and uh, we you know raised enough from Supporters at that stage, early early stage of finance we got from from individuals that really you know
1: at that point. I would say that raising funding is the hardest thing. Uh, we have no shortage of ideas. I've always had massive visions for everything, um, and the only thing that has ever prohibited us. Um, in achieving some things and also in the time that it's taken to achieve some things is capital and I think that it is there's no shortcut there's no quick answer you just have to try every single door and I mean it's it's the same it's kind of the same process in a sense whatever stage you're at I think you know if if you're if you're whether you're looking at raising Ten thousand pounds, or whether you're looking at raising five million or ten million pounds, ultimately the the paperwork and the process is the same. Okay, ten million, it might take a little longer to get a decision. It's another zero, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah another
2: right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just interested because I was speaking to Michelle Kennedy, who was called Peanut App for Mums, but she was part of uh, Tinder, Badoo, all these different apps, and. She said that four percent of the world's VC money goes to female tech founders, and then it was like, and a hundred percent of the people giving the money are male kind of no shit. Yeah. Sherlock. Hmm. And you know, when you look at those kind of challenges for females trying to raise money, you're actually from the get go, aren't you? Yeah, get in the door, absolutely. That and
1: yeah, we have a friend who has um, actually just secured VC money, and she's. Um, a British woman who's of African descent and she was reeling off all these stats to us and we couldn't believe it, you know, really that that's the situation we haven't received any VC money and we have tried and it is difficult so actually I would completely agree with the fact that there has to be a bit more done to try to, I don't know, try to make actually accessing VC money for any company Easier. And, you know, maybe we are... We don't like to do that thing of, you know, our oh, woe is us because we're women. Maybe it is more difficult if you're women. You know, I think there is there is a kind of a banter and a relationship between groups of men that goes on. Um, and I also think that the idea that it should be wholly completely 50-50 May not be a realistic because you know maybe that's not what 50% of women want to do with their lives because yeah. it is very difficult running a business and mm. it, you do ultimately if you're choosing to do that then maybe you're choosing not to do other things or maybe you don't have it in you to do other things yeah. but actually I do think that there there are there there are maybe some more challenges that come up it's being women yeah. yeah
2: what what do you individually find the most difficult part of running a business
1: the the cash
0: flow yeah. piece the, so, the so, fundraising yeah. and the cash flow and, and um sort of that interesting piece when you answer. You asked us how we complement each other Mm. and I think we actually had to do a Myers-Briggs test for the first time Um, and seeing that we're on the same page but complete opposites, yin and yang (laughs) and how we complement each other and I guess it's as your business expands and your team grows and you scale up Mm. um, and certainly our work is scalable with multiple shows now touring with global touring plans across multiple shows and new works in development it's how you kind of Manage your own time and prioritize, and mm. make sure your team, you know, is looked after as well, and sort of, and not get bogged down in detail yeah. that isn't actually a priority and a focus for everyone for the benefit of the business and, and everyone else. So yeah. I think that that You've for got me an incredibly
2: scalable business. I, I would have thought. I mean, you just said it, but when you, when I've kind of looked at it, then you could literally go to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that,
0: I think that's what's so exciting for us. We, you know, we. We've just been nominated export champions and um, looking at these territories that we, you know, are the genesis, the ethos of our company is these new cultures, these culturally themed spectacles, music and dance shows and looking at particular territories like the Middle East, like China, where it's it, the cultural entertainment scheme is, is blooming or just starting. There's, it's so exciting for us to now to look at that, you know, scaling up where they're building theatres literally from scratch in Saudi is just the most exciting thing. And we were at um, the 2030 Vision presentation in London to, you know, all the top cultural leaders in the city. And it was just one of the most, yeah, mind blowing moments for me. And I just thought that's, that's where I'm gonna be in 2030. We're gonna have a theatre in the Middle East, totally.
2: Great goal. And how, how different is that, is the goal now from when you first met and the first conversations you had Interesting.
1: Um, I would say that in a funny kind of way, it's not that different. It's evolved and there are new parts to it and Mm -hmm. certain things have become clearer. But I think we did start from a place of going, actually, what we want to do is bring people together from different areas of the arts and bring diversity into that and make it a really you know unite audiences and do something that is making people feel good and kind of contributing in a social way Mm. um to society hopefully um and i think we kind of probably started by thinking that it was going to be in a particular kind of format and it's it's evolved into being actually what we have now identified and we identified pretty quickly was that our our role, and I think the re- part of the reason we were put on this planet, was to give a voice to different cultures. And I do think that kind of comes from our background. Like we This was something that we realized only about a year and a half ago, maybe. Maybe not even that. When we were in Japan, and we, we had this moment where um, we kind of like, hang on a minute, why, why is it that we feel this burning desire to give a voice to cultures that we feel are not perhaps represented enough or as much or whatever? And I think P, P being from Brazil and having that dual heritage thing, father is English, mother is Brazilian. And I'm third generation Holocaust survivor and then some of our key creatives have also been born somewhere else from mixed mixed parents. I think that kinda gives you a real desire to wanna give a voice to these different cultures. And that I would say that is a big part of why it needs to be us and why we are good at doing what we're doing. Quite a lot of parallels have been drawn recently between us and Cirque du Soleil in a fledgling kind of a way, but in the fact that they took something that prior to them existed in bell tents and reformatted it, mm-hmm. presented it to the world in a different way, you know, and it's grown and it's international and all the rest. And actually people are kind of looking at what we do and saying, oh, so you do cultural feats. They do acrobatic feats.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's probably what we do because what we do, although it's in the language, the songs are in the language of the place. It's you don't need to understand what's being said. I don't understand what's being said in Zulu, or in Brazilian Portuguese, or in Japanese, um, or in Balinese, or you know whatever. But it's it's the it's the emotion that comes across, and I think that's yeah because they're not language bound. We can go anywhere. This year, we are going into. Three new territories, three new international territories, and they are China, Japan, and Dubai.
2: And how many cultures have you been in thus far? Obviously, familiar with South uh, Africa. Aren't been we?
1: been in, or or that we've exported to? Uh, you tell me. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we uh, have
2: a slate
0: of six works different, okay. so we started with the South African one the Zulu Ballet and then Brazil and um, we did a show called Voices of the Amazon that was narrated by Jeremy Irons and that's the one going into Japan now um, and then we did sort of a slate we thought we'd just de- develop lots of different concepts then we started the Japanese Balinese uh, and Nordic and each one has a different story a different social important message uh, and then we've got like the world show concept again the excerpts of all of those that we can put into different places so,
1: and the other two, we can't say yet. Yeah.
2: OK, <laughs> that's fine. And um, how did you end up working with a uh, Jeremy Irons, for example? How did that kind of thing happen like,
1: these days? Well, th- I think this was part of the thing of where this bringing people from different art forms together. So because I'd worked more in the film area, and David Arnold, who's mm. the longest-standing Bond composer, was my mentor for a bit, and, yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. I, kind of was in on some of that world a bit and actually P was but in a different way and obviously she was more more live theatre more ballet side and I was more sort of Pop music and filmish side, so it was really through through those contacts that we were able to bring people in to our work, and we've done that from the get go. So, a long time collaborator of ours, Temple Clark, who's a storyboard artist who's worked on just about every single film you can think of, all the Bond films, all the Harry Potter films, Gravity, oh, wow. like you name it, he's worked on it, and he's he's amazing, such a brilliant artist, and has been actually a, a big contributor to helping visualize. Days. Our ideas were particularly from kind of from P side really. So it's through through that network that we're able to get together with people and say, you know, we're looking for somebody for a narrator. I mean Jeremy Lines was our dream
2: voice. I was gonna say must have Amazon. been bucket list. That, oh yeah, he was amazing. number
1: one. That voice is just like silk. Amazing. And we, yeah, we, we just had the contacts to be able to approach him.
2: Right. But you've had ten years building those contacts now. Absolutely, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so tell me more about Inala. Um, am I right in having read 60,000 tickets sold?
0: In just the first two years? I think, no, first year, I think it's 80,000. No way. It, it was, was really, just, I yeah, we worked at this show for five years. Ella composed the music with Legacy of the yeah. I mean, when it opened in, this show opened in 2014 at the Edinburgh Playhouse, which is the largest theatre in Europe and Ella and I got stuck at the top of the seats just before we had a you know, reception in the interval. We didn't make it back in time and we had to watch act two at the very top of the Starship Enterprise of all theaters. And at the end of the show, the entire theater stood on its feet and there was just this roar and we just couldn't We we could have been in a better place actually to experience that than being backstage waiting for the bow. But it was just at that moment we thought, oh my goodness, this is quite, we've done it, this is quite special.
1: Uh, That was a massive risk for the Edinburgh International Festival to take on us, to be fair, because we hadn't, at that point, whilst we both had good credentials for things that we'd achieved, and particularly, I mean, given our age and you know age of the business and everything else, they took a massive risk on us because we were part of that. Opening weekend of the Edinburgh International Festival, they put us in the largest theatre in Europe. They did not expect to open either of the balconies, and they opened it all, and there was not one seat in the house for four probably, shows, probably, probably the three of which were in Nala, yeah, and then one was a Mombasa performance. And yeah, so you know that was that was a massive, amazing, really exciting moment. And then we went on to do, then we brought it into London, yeah, and, and we, we sold out London as well. As well. And then, sorry. So then we did a regional, UK regional tour around massive concert halls all around the UK and completely sold all of them out. And then we were invited on to the Royal Variety performance, which is a very nice sort of cherry on the top of the cake type number. Um, yeah, it was it was beautiful, really great. That, that was that was a, a lovely moment, actually. You know, all those artists coming together to support that and be part and of that. Who were you there with
2: that, that year? That you,
1: that you, that, Ed Sheeran, Shirley Bass. Bette Midler, uh, Dame Shell. She has got an <laughs> amazing girl. set of lungs on her. She is just incredible. It's amazing how some people's voices stay and some don't. She just, oh, some people
2: just, just go, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, there must be something in the water in Wales because her and Tom, Tom Jones got it. are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes, that, that was amazing. It's really and cool. simply red Brilliant. and so uh, one direction. Mm. Uh, <laughs> 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 and some Cowell and was on and Calabro Calabro was great and the recording was great yeah it was it was really nice and we were the only dance based show on there it was us Weird. and Miss Saigon
2: yeah. yeah yeah
1: which was very cool and the, the whole the way that that whole thing
2: was organised was brilliant yeah and, and you're still selling tickets for Inala I should say
0: yeah, we're opening in the West End. It's got its West End premiere on, from the 30th of April to the 18th of May in the Peacock Theatre. And a really exciting development for us with this show for its relaunch is that we have Soweto Gospel Choir now singing um, alongside Raw Ballet and Rombé and this fusion of, of dance styles. You know, obviously, my ballet background's in there, contemporary dance, and then this amazing Zulu dancing. But obviously, in the nature of gospel choirs, there's women in the choir. And I didn't think the music that Ella had written with, you know, Mambazzo, the way it sounded could have could be any better it, she missed out in the stats of track record that the music got the Grammy nomination in 2016 uh, <laughs> we so we went that. to the Grammys yeah just admit that one um, but with women in the choir now and Soweto Gospel Choir actually just won the 2019 Grammy Best uh, wow. music. so we now have okay. Grammy winning singers in the show singing yeah. Grammy nominated yeah. music and songs yeah. and music and there's a band on stage but the women's voices just just do something else and they just it hits you even more and it's just really emotional and amazing actually it feels like
1: even more storytelling is going on for me personally
2: and and where were the grammys i assume you went to the grammys and
1: we did indeed, it was amazing. So that was in 2016, um, and that was, that was a bizarre moment. So I was at home, and um, one of our percussionists, who I'm very fond of, he's brilliant, always my number one go-to, and he sent me a message going, oh, congratulations, that's amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Adam? the Grammy nomination what, what are you talking about <laughs> and he texted me a screenshot of the nomi- the, the nominations had just been announced and we'd been nominated for a Grammy award I mean it was just unreal and not not any category either the best world music album like, it was just ah, surreal wasn't it yeah, really so surreal we went to LA yeah given lovely frocks
0: yeah did indeed and uh, went to the Grammys it was amazing
2: you've just Celebrated ten years of business together. Is that right? Was that last year? Is that this year?
0: Last this year. This is our ten years. Well, it was ten years of us working together last year, and ten years of Sisters Grimm this year. So it's just we're we're just loving this ten year anniversary. I
2: was going to say, do you? I'm assuming you take like an annual stock of things review and, and plan but yeah. have you done anything different this time given it's a decade and you're looking through to like we've been talking about 2013 things like that
1: definitely and um so one of the things that we have done that i i would say is different and it evolves all the time is that we took stock a couple of years ago um on how we were operating the business and the roles that we were taking and the things that we were responsible for and it I think it kind of started two years ago of us uh, actually it took somebody to point it out to say look you're, you're overlapping on too many things you're not being efficient enough with your time you don't both need to be doing everything so actually we kind of divvied up some of the some of the tasks then at that point because the reality is I think really it's probably about 30 30% of doing what the company actually is and about 70% of management and admin and all of that stuff, you know, so that, and that's the reality of running a business. So we, do, but we didn't need to be overlapping as much. So that started a couple of years ago and then we got a leadership trainer and we have kind of management training, leadership training sessions once a quarter, sometimes a bit more regularly if we need it, if things change direction a bit. And he really helps us to, divide up who's accountable for what and he was the person actually that got us to do the mayor's briggs test um, which was really helpful so yeah. that has i think changed how we work a bit more in a really really good way so that's happened and uh, i think then also we've appointed a board that's been brilliant and one of the things that one of our board members who's just fantastic man mark wagman said was right what are the priority territories because there's only so much you can do. So let's focus on those and really look at them. And priority territories for us, it's been important to identify them for a number of reasons. I think one is, you know, what is it that we want to bring to that territory? Because again, it's not just about money. It cannot be led by money. There is the money piece of it, but where are the places that we think actually we can contribute something proper to that place? So for us, China, USA, Japan and the GCC, but you know, particularly the UAE and Saudi Arabia are our priority territories because we think that our content, being the cultural collaborations that they are, can really contribute something to those societies, we hope.
2: Um,
1: and we've got this social impact piece, which we think is relevant in all those territories as well.
2: And do you feel after 10 years that you've achieved that or is there so much more that you still believe that you need to achieve?
0: Oh, well, the standing ovations every single night for our first show and the Grammy nomination for the music and now the commissions coming in from new territories that we are so excited to work with, I think is sort of the pat on the back we wanted and certainly the um, incentives to keep going.
2: And talking about live events, the next scriptures Do It live event is going to be on May the 3rd in my hometown of Bournemouth. Um, we're calling it Reload. It's our first ever mid-year mastermind. Um, it's an exclusive one-day event. It's limited to just 100 people. Um, it's going to bring you the clarity you need to refocus on 2019's goals and ensure that this is going to be your best year yet. Um, all you need to do is go to the Screw It, Just Do It eventbrite page or check out any of my social media at Alex Chisnell. Um, all you need to do to get standard 20% off for listeners of the show is enter screw it, just do it, all lowercase, one word into the promo code. Um, and we'd love to see you there. You can already see people um, who listen to the show have used that code to make sure of their space um, at the event. So really look forward to um, seeing and meeting you all there. Also, if you are interested in um, starting, growing and monetizing your own podcast, then the next masterclass we have uh, with my good self is being held on April the 26th, also in Bournemouth. And that's half a day spent with me. Um, again, just go to the Eventbrite page or drop me a message Um, on social media to get you organized for that. Um, So I really, really enjoyed chatting to um, Pietra and Ella, as you could probably tell. Um, Awesome surroundings, awesome people. Um, And off the back of that, they have kindly invited me to the West End premiere of the show. So I'm really psyched to be going to that. I haven't experienced anything like that before. So these are all good things that Come from doing a podcast, clearly. Um, so, a couple of things that I think are really relevant to touch on that they brought up, and again, no matter what business you're in, no matter what market you're in, no matter what industry you're in, um, same things apply. Um, being able to reinvent yourself, um, definitely, clearly, something that I've done. Those you know who, who know my, my backstory, and again, I think with with Lm Pietra there. Um, You know, they've they've shifted focus from from what they were doing. They're still doing what they love, just in a slightly different way. Um, That's definitely something that I think everybody could do. Don't be pigeonholed by the first ever job that you did um, or by the same token, what other people pigeonhole you as. Don't be defined by that. You can certainly reinvent yourself 100%. I'm living proof of that. Um, And also... Don't have to be one of those things. Do you have to be an entrepreneur to start your own business or can you be entrepreneurial by being in a business? Um, both Pietra and Ella very much believe they had an entrepreneurial mindset prior to launching Sisters Grimm. Um, I think those telltale signs they they nailed, you know, always wanting to do things your own way um, when you're in an organization um, definitely lead you on to... Wanting to start your own business, wanting to be your own boss, not answer to anyone, do things your own way, um, live or die on the decisions you make at the end of the day. Um, Niching down on what you want to do, so definitely finding what area you would like to work in, but then niching down on that, they, they clearly saw a gap to be filled in the in the live theatre entertainment space um, that, that wasn't being filled at the time. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people trying to do what they do now after after ten years. Um, and another one, chasing money. Um, yeah, hopefully subscribe to this. Um, you're definitely lost if you if you're just chasing money. Um, interesting. Last week's podcast with with Timothy Armu saying. Um, he's unashamed to say that you know his first ever business when he was when he was which he sold at 17 was all about chasing the money because he saw it as his way out of the council estate and he's you know unapologetic about that Um, and I think you can totally and utterly 100% get where he was coming from but the long game I think definitely um, if you're just chasing money it's not going to bring you what you think it's going to bring you once you get that Um, You're going to find you're pretty unfulfilled. Um, However long that might be, it's definitely going to be temporary. Um, You want some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose in your life um, because it's fleeting otherwise. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, This year is all about bringing you different stories, um, expanding on the Screw It, Just Do It theme, speaking to people in different areas of life who have got some great stories to tell um, and can share the message of this show to a far greater audience. So thank you for for listening and um, stay tuned next week for an equally awesome episode. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK, pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start or scale their business, then I'd love to help you. Being part of the Startup U community means we can help you in a number of ways. Simply go to Facebook and find Startup U Club through the different groups on there and join. We can help you in a number of different ways through daily inspiration and education, through to accessing funding, investment and mentoring. In fact, pretty much anything that you'll need on your startup journey. And if you've got a great story that you'd like to share, then I'd also love to hear from you. Just go to startupu.co.uk, click on the contact page and drop me a message. I'd also love to connect with you personally It's at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn and Twitter and at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. And if you enjoyed listening to this particular episode, then please subscribe and I'd massively appreciate a review. All you need to do is click on the ratings and review tab on iTunes and leave us your thoughts on there. Until the next show, remember, don't wait. The time will never be right. Action always beats intention. So just screw it, just do it. This show is brought to you by Rocket Spark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month Rocket Spark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next 6 months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com/screwitjustdoit to enter.